Hi, I'm Neil Manthorpe, one half of uh, South Africa on 99.94 show with Lingani Zama. We're covering the Rainbow Nation as it undergoes its biggest transition since readmission. Not the only country which is undergoing a transition in the way that they play their cricket. We cover every part of uh, the South African game on 99.94 and you can hear us several times a week where wherever you find your podcasts or indeed on YouTube. Um, Langani and I are going to talk about, uh, well, the T20 World Cup. Obviously, why wouldn't we? It's, um, it's imminent. Uh, there is, of course, uh, the, first, um, the first stage um, in order to compete to get into the Super 12. Um, we're going to talk about the South African squad, the composition of it, its strengths and weaknesses. But just before we do that, I'm going to pick up um, from where we left off on the last podcast which is uh, talking about a successor to Mark Boucher. We're just going to spend another couple of minutes on it. We just want to familiarise you with some of the candidates and uh, their strengths and weaknesses and whether they might get the job or not, Um, just for a couple of minutes and only because uh, it's a subject that we're going to be talking about a lot, obviously, as uh, Boucher's successor is, um, is, is sought uh, um, Sams, we mentioned um, the three major candidates, Malibangwe uh, Maketa, um, Mandla Mashimbi and uh, Wandile Guavu. Malibangwe Maketa was uh, assistant to the national team, um, assistant coach um, under Otis Gibson. Uh, Mandla Mashimbi has been at the Titans for 10 years, um, played 50 first class and, and, and one-day one day games, fast bowler. Uh, and has a terrific record. And Wendile Guavu has done brilliant things with the Lions, although he is only 33. We also mentioned last week, well, I did, Robbie Peterson as a potential candidate um, and Alan Donald, and you chipped in with uh, Lance Klusner. Did we miss anybody, do you think? It's interesting. Um, one of our colleagues, um, Zahir Adams, who's the chief cricket writer for the Cape Times, uh, wrote a piece today suggesting that uh, Shukri Conrad, who's been in the system a long time, uh, might be uh, an an outside bet. Um, he's coaching the SA Under-19s and they just won the Division Two domestic T20 tournament. Um, so he's suggesting that uh, there might be life um, and good quality of life left in that old dog. Um, did, did, did we miss anybody? And then have you had time to reflect on who might be the favourites amongst those? Well, I think it... Uh... It wouldn't be a South African coaches sort of speculation session without mentioning Graham Ford yet again. Um, he's 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 done enough stints. He's done interim. He's been full time. Um, someone even said Gary Kirsten the other day, um, but these are very unlikely. Um, but I don't think we've missed anyone in terms of what's what's out there and what's available right now. Um, They've, if they stay local, as as it looks likely they will, those are probably the prime candidates. It's interesting you mentioned Gary Kirsten because um, his situation has changed significantly. Um, you remember uh, when he was national coach, he 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 wanted, understandably, to spend time with his young family. Um, it's ten years on now; his family is not so young, uh, and um, I. I strongly suspect that uh, he he would be far more interested than he was 10 years ago. Yeah, I spent a, quite a bit of time with Gary a couple of years ago doing a documentary about the work he was doing in Kailicha. And just in conversation, he didn't rule it out 
making a return to international coaching then. So, you know, I think it's also getting to the point where more and more teams are going to start looking at the possibility of compartmentalizing the head coach role and and having people just for test cricket. And South Africa's playing so little test cricket. It might even be worth having a part-time test test coach and a, a white ball coach who's going to be a lot more prolific. Um, you know, the you got to move with the times and, and the fact that South Africa are going to play so little test cricket kind of informs you where the priority is going to be over the next few years. That's also been mentioned, hasn't it? Dividing the roles. Um, and I don't know whether this, this is uh, 100% uh, certain, but uh, Enoch Nkwe, who's uh, the director of cricket, has he has been quoted secondhand as saying that he favours um, dividing the roles. And <laughs> it sounds awful to say a part-time test match coach, but that's what it would be. I mean, the, the guy wouldn't have worked for six or seven or eight months at a time. Yeah, you'd you'd have to to find a way to justify the salary that you pay him. I mean, there's not a lot of Red Bull cricket that's going to be happening in South Africa or outside South Africa involving South Africa. So, but it is it's getting to that. I mean, you 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 need your 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 specialist white ball coaches um, to be a, a lot more visible because. The fixture list informs us that there's going to be a handful of test matches over the next few years to look forward to. Do you know what? As much preparation as we do for these shows, um, uh, we have to think on our feet as well. And, and and it suddenly occurred to me that actually, if you if you frame it, the test match job in that way, as a consultant, as a part time consultant, um, and obviously he would, you know, you. you you don't just move in and join up with the test squad three days before. Obviously, there's a lot of work to be done three days before a, a two-match series. Um, but that's that that completely uh, redefines the requirements, doesn't it? I mean, what you need is a part-time test match specialist consultant. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of former players have done it as part-time betting or bowling consultants for teams around the world. So why not? for a head coach which then frees him up to to carry on doing the money making gigs that you know are popping up all over the world it makes it a lot more attractive whether it's a local or an international coach for that matter that you you're not a full-time coach straddled with building plans and plans and plans for a handful of matches per year so having reframed the job description what names pop into your mind well, no, that's a completely different podcast. We'll have to, we'll have to get <laughs> okay. back to that. And no, no. Well, we just use it as, a, as an appetizer then. Any Some names that pop into your head? Yeah, I think once you, know, once you, you look at it in that, in that fashion, then it, it definitely throws some interesting names. I mean, a guy like Stephen Fleming, uh, who's going to be spending a lot more time in South Africa with the SA20 um, as Joe and interfere with your IPL work and your SA20 work. Why not spend a few months on the road? So yeah, if you framed it like that and you allowed the flexibility of the fixture list to dictate that your test coach could be a consultant as opposed to a full-time appointment, then I think, you know, the likes of Jeepers, Stephen Fleming could, given the amount of time he's going to spend in South Africa, he could be an option. You, you, you could cast it further afield and look at some some options in 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 the English game, 
um, it, it it does it does give food for thought because a it would save South Africa a lot of money as well instead of paying a full time salary to someone who's doing a part time job. Um, so it is something worth exploring for for Enoch and and the rest of the team. But there is also a strong drive for a South African coach, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is, there is. I think um, for 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 better or worse, that there is a strong drive for it. But you, you've got to be realistic. Horses for courses, and um, if your options are are better off, if they go that, if they were to somehow go that way, and obviously, Cricket South Africa is very rigid in its processes and its due diligence, so it's probably not going to happen that they're going to jump on this idea that we've just had five minutes ago to to have a part-time test consultant. They will go with the full-time coach who they back fully to jump across all three formats, even though the world tells you that most players struggle to adapt to three formats, never mind coaches and philosophy, but they probably will go the tried and tested way. But it would be a breath of fresh air if they actually looked at it and said, practically, we should really be looking to build heavily on our white ball credentials because they have been slipping and they continue slipping, but they're very important. And our test credentials need a specialist who's going to devote their time to making sure that when we do play red ball cricket, our teams are, are better equipped to, to, to meet the demands. Uh, you've already got a separate test captain as opposed to your white ball captain in timber. So it does make sense that Dean and a part-time test consultant, as an example, form an alliance and and really start looking to rebuild South Africa's previously formidable record in test cricket. Okay, short section first up, um, because uh, as I said, we just wanted to uh, whet the appetites of our listeners and uh, and viewers um, about the names that are in contention to replace Mark Boucher. Uh, when we come back in a moment, we'll talk about South Africa's 15-man squad and the travelling reserves for the T20 World Cup. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube, or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. Okay. Um, Sams, first of all, are there any names at all who you think should be in that 15-man squad and aren't? Any any unlucky players? I mean, I've always had a soft spot for Sisanda Magala just because I think he is the best death bowler that, that South Africa has and has had over the last few years. Um, but that's well documented in terms of why he's not playing international cricket for South Africa at this point. Um, but by and large, you know, the 15-man squad that we've got is pretty much the best we have. Um, I suppose you might. some people would raise eyebrows at Wayne Parnell um, getting a yet another chance. Um, and it now looks a bit weirder, so to speak, that you've got two left-arm seamers who supposedly all-rounders, now that Dwayne Pretorius has been replaced by Marco Janssen. Um, but I don't think Andile Petluwayo put up the performances with the bat that warranted selection even ahead of Parnell, definitely not ahead of Marco Janssen. Um, 
and he'd he'd probably be the first to admit that. Um, you got to be able to win, or at least look like winning a match with bat and ball, um, and and he just hasn't done enough of that of late. But by and large, that's that's the team they have. Um, Faf Duplessis, obviously at the top of the order, would have loved one last crack at this. And in previous times, he he had voiced the fact that if there's a way, he would. And it seems a long time ago now when he was told that he couldn't go to the 100, he had to play a series against Sri Lanka. And if he didn't, he wouldn't be considered for this World Cup, which has now been postponed. Um, but, you know, the game goes on. Um, so this, this, is, this is what South Africa's got, and this is the best they've got. Talking of reframing, if Wayne Parnell... Uh, if we could shed the the label, the perception that he's an all-rounder because he's just not looked the part with the bat in international cricket, um, whereas he does domestic cricket. But but he, his job now is to bowl with a new ball. Um, and the, the your job as a new ball bowler is to take early wickets, which is something that he's done regularly um, since his return post-Colpac days. So if if he was seen as... Well, he's not though, is he? I mean, he's not seen. He's not seen as a a bowler, a new ball bowler. He's still he's still labouring under the <laughs> uh, the label of, of being an all rounder, and and that it seems he is not at international level. But he's doing a good job with the new ball. No, he's doing a job. He's definitely doing a job with the new ball. He he asks a different set of questions to Rabada and Nokia, Ungidi, um, but yeah, then you've got a class him in that category and, 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 and pick him against KG and Lungi and, and Anrich because he's an out-and-out bowler. He's, he's not done anything with the bat to justify the faith, quite frankly. I think a Keshav Maharaj, even a, a Kakhiso Rabada, has probably got more credentials with the bat of late in international cricket than Wayne Parnell. Uh, we know he's got the ability, but transferring that from domestic cricket to a World Cup is, is a big ask. I don't know whether you saw, uh, you're a busy man and you probably don't spend much time on Twitter, but moments before Cricket South Africa confirmed that Marco Janssen was Dwayne Pretorius's replacement, Andila Petlakwaya um, sent out a, a cryptic tweet without words, just a couple of symbols, uh, one of which was the scales of justice. Um, and it, and it, it looked like uh, the tweet was hoping for justice. Um, and then when Janssen was confirmed as promoted from the travelling reserves to the main squad, he deleted the tweet. So I have to say a large part of me, um, given his record, uh, well, given his experience, given how much time has been invested in him, I can understand why he might feel a bit hard done by him. Marco Janssen's played one T20 international. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think maybe... Because I know him that well, I I can be a bit harder and say that he's not made the development strides that would have been expected given that investment. Um, you know, we're going back almost ten years now of calling him a prospect and a potential match winner. Whether you've gone from Kevin Peterson to Lance Klusner, all sorts of coaches have said that he's got every skill set to to go and win matches for South Africa with bat and ball, and the the the, the ball has definitely kept there and thereabouts. He did lose a lot of confidence with the bat and he's never really recovered it. Um, and I think when you start landing your punches on social media as opposed to out in the middle, 
you've got to question your your priorities. Um, you know, the, the best way to answer these things is to play cricket and win cricket matches. There's a whole new season starting domestically. He wasn't picked for the SA20 for reasons that we know. There's, you know, there's there's a there's a time to look at himself in the mirror and say, I'm missing out on the prime of my career because I'm not putting up the numbers. I'm not playing an SA20. I've never been to an IPL. I'm now not going to World Cup squads, which I used to take for granted. What do I need to change? And you can either change it and make sure the last few years of your career are lucrative and you rinse out the last bit of talent because he is talented. But when you start becoming a social media crusader, you you run the risk of taking your eye seriously off the ball and and start being labelled as as a problem child. Um, you know, and and he's not. He's he's a good kid from tough circumstances, but his numbers at the moment don't justify him going to the World Cup squad ahead of a Marco Janssen. Yes, Marco Janssen is inexperienced. We had this debate about the Test squad and him being left out because others in Manchester were supposedly more experienced. But if you show more intent and you and you look like you're going to show up for every battle with an intensity that's not been there from anyone who's played before you, you're far likely to get chances. Mark Janssen's gone to an IPL and looked the part. So just because he's got one cap for South Africa, he's played in an IPL, which is sometimes tougher cricket than some international matches that you play anyway. He is the in-form option. I, I would play him ahead of Wayne Parnell if I was the head of selectors. Mm. Okay, we're going to divide up uh, the rest of the squad into um, top order, middle order, and um, and then the bowlers um, and the all-round options as well. Let's just go very quickly onto the top order. Um, and I mean, we did a whole podcast on Temba Bavuma's um, numbers and and his position as captain and opening the batting at the top of the order. Um, I'm absolutely certain that uh, he will start the tournament, and I and I think that's right. Um, I think I think he should start the tournament. Um, do you foresee a situation after a, a couple of failures, maybe three failures, in which he is he is asked or volunteers to actually step out of the starting eleven for the second half of the tournament? Yeah, you you definitely don't wish failures on anybody, um, but there's there's pressure. There's been three knocks. And three failures since he's come back from injury. Um, so, you know, the clock is ticking. And I think he knows better than anyone that he needs a performance early that really, really calms the noise and reassures not just himself but the team that he is still the man to to be the anchor but with purpose, you know, Um but yeah, if it goes to three matches in South Africa, suddenly faced with must win and they have to up their net run rate, I think that 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 conversation is inevitable, um, and it's it's a terrible one to look ahead to, but it, it's the reality that his biggest problem has been getting off to flying starts, and that's what you need in T Twenty as a team, and certainly as an opener. Um, you when there's other options that are more explosive than yourself, you kind of have to hit the ground running. Okay, time for our second break. Um, after that, we'll be talking about uh, the middle order and uh, a, little, a fascination of mine, a little bugbear of mine about um, innovation and um, and creative thinking and the the bouts of it that South African cricket has had um, and and the longer bouts where there has perhaps been a, a lack of it. If you love the language of cricket. 
and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. Right, Sams. Um, let's talk about the middle order now. Um, we've obviously got the Reza Hendricks situation. He's regarded as an opener, but he, he can bat uh, at three as well. But then, um, you know, that middle order is, I think, South Africa's most obvious strength. I mean, it's it's really, really explosive. With Riley Rousseau, Aidan Markram, Heinrich Klaassen, David Miller and Tristan Stubbs. As far as stats are concerned, Markram, well, actually, his T20 stats are pretty good, aren't they? He's got a strike rate of over 150, so he might be struggling. He's averaging 29 in one-day cricket, and his test form has obviously fallen off a cliff. But that middle order, I mean, unless you're going to ask one of them to bowl, <laughs> you can't play them all. And 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 then you've right there, you've got like a bunch of match winners. That's an incredibly explosive middle order. And and just in case I don't get on to lead on to it, um, as I mentioned about uh, creative thinking, if you want to play all of them, and they are all magnificent batters capable of striking at over two hundred, how about pushing one up to the top? Yeah, they've they've all done it at some stages of their career, gone right at the top because you know the thinking has always been in the shortest format. You want to give your very best players as many balls as possible to do damage. And uh, you you look at a Rousseau, you look at a Miller, even a Markram, when they've been given time to build a bit of a base and then they're 30 or f- 30 with five, six overs to go, they've gone absolutely ballistic. And Miller's done it recently in India. It's It's definitely a thought because there's just so much power there. But... When you gobble up balls up front and then you come in and you have to sort of just go at 12 or 14 and over or try to at least, it's 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 very hard. You know, the Formula One cars are the fastest in the world, but they still have a warm-up lap themselves just to get the tires warm. Then you just fly out. It, it It's a similar thing in T20 cricket. You kind of got to have a look and get the pace because once you set, like you say, that, that middle order for South Africa can win them games can win them a tournament even Rousseau's done it by himself Miller's done it by himself Markram showed glimpses at the last World Cup he's majestic in full flight so you know and Reza Hendricks has come off the year of his life in, in international cricket so it's there the form is there um, you've just got to give it to them and Tristan Stubbs obviously has a fearlessness of, of, of youth and, and going around the world and just playing with freedom it's a dangerous dangerous middle order Okay, on to the bowlers, and um, let's start with the spinners. Uh, there's a perception that uh, South Africa, um, that that well, all all the teams, you know, won't necessarily need two spinners um, in in Australia, but South Africa are playing two games at Sydney. We'll talk about that in in the next uh, podcast. So perhaps they can play two spinners there. It's obviously a famous spin friendly venue. Um, but uh, Keshav Maharaj is, is your number one, is he? Definitely. I mean, that you know, people say, well, look, you, you just, every successful T20 team has had a leg spinner, um, has had a, a wrist spinner. 
And uh, but I just wonder whether Tabrez Shamsi uh, might have been worked out uh, by well, he certainly has been by India. <laughs> I think they've I think they've been able to pick him for for a long time. Um, but do you, where do you stand on Maharaj against Shamsi? Yeah, Kesh is obviously more more consistent, um, but that's finger spin against wrist spin. I think Shamsi always always gives you the option, especially when con- conditions are helpful. He gives you the ability to run through a middle and lower order better than anyone else. He he, he turns it both ways. Of course he's going to travel. He's a wrist spinner. There's days when the ball just gets out the hand and flies out the ground. The late chain one travelled. You know, the, the best. Rashid Khan travels some games, but it's what they can do when they're on song, which is similar to what a fast bowler does when he's he's really, you know, letting it letting it fly. It, it's 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 almost unplayable at times, and that can win your matches. Kesh Kesh won't really run through uh, an order and take three three wickets in, in two overs and change the course of a game. Shamsi can. Right? That's what Rispin does, and I think they'll persist with him, much like we said about Temba, for three or four games. You'll persist with him and hope he catches confidence because if he does, it's very hard for the, even the best players in the world to keep on taking him on because it's a risk. Right. Um, the fast bowlers, obviously KG plays. Um there was a game in the Mzanzi Super League when he came out to bat at number four for the, um, what were the high felt lions called in the Mzanzi Super League? The Josie Stars. Stars. Thank you very much. Do you remember he came out at number four and it was, I think it was mostly because uh, it was a very short boundary. He was a left-hander, but he came out to bat number four and he made, you know, he, he made, I should I should have checked the numbers. Something like twenty five or fourteen balls, something like that, and and it was brilliant. And I, uh, on the subject of creative thinking and being a bit in, innovative, I, I do sometimes wonder how he might go you know, as a pinch hitter at number three in the power play in T Twenty cricket for South Africa. Create a little bit of of depth, but obviously he he plays. So the other fast bowling well, you, you need an all rounder. So we've got Janssen or Parnell. Um, presumably to take the new ball uh, along with KG. And then it seems to come down to, at the moment, it seems to be a choice between Anrich Norkia and Lungi Ngidi. Yeah. I firstly will say that I do not buy your theory on Kajisa <laughs> Rabada pinch hitting ever. Um, although I will say that I've got... I'm just a, throwing it out there. It wasn't a theory. <laughs> no, I do have a long-standing bet um, with a colleague to say that Kajisa will one day make an international 100. I think he's got every shot in the book. He just needs to keep his head screwed on for long enough. But I, I think he's got all the shots and definitely at school he used to be a, a decent batsman. Um, but yeah, in terms of the bowling, it is between Nokia and, and, and Ngiti at the moment. And, and, and Lungi's, I think he's slightly ahead at the moment because he's he's doing a bit more and more with the ball. He's, um, you know, he's, He's picked up a yard of pace. He's he's lost he's lost weight. He's he's looking in the best condition he has, um, and maybe sometimes Andrich looks a bit similar or, or, or plays a bit similarly to KG, and they feel like Lungi bowls a slightly different length and just kisses the turf and takes it away a little bit. So it's an interesting choice. Um, but Andrich Nokia is gun barrel straight, whereas Lungi is starting to shape it, which up front in those first six overs when people are playing shots. You need it. You only need it to deviate just a little bit and you you nick key batsmen off. 
Okay, I'm just going to rewind very because I didn't get clarity, or maybe I missed missed the clarity, or maybe I didn't push you hard enough. But um, so Rousseau, Markram, Clarkson, Miller, Stubbs, you got to leave one out. So I'm assuming that Hendricks doesn't play, right? So Bavuma and De Kock open. Hendricks misses the first game. We're talking about the first game, T20 World Cup. So you got Rousseau three, have you? Uh, and then Markram, Klaassen, yeah. Miller, Stubbs. You, I guess you could leave one of those out. I think Klaassen misses out. Mm. I would, I would, I would say. I mean, Quinny's fine with the gloves. Um, and if you, if if you Risa Hendricks and there's two keepers batting and playing ahead of you, when you're in the form of your life, you'd be disgruntled. Um, but as would probably a a Markram, definitely a Rousseau and a Miller. So. I think quite likely Klaassen misses out there too. All right, thanks for, for listening once again to South Africa on 99.94. That's where we end this um, particular episode. But uh, remember, you can listen to us, uh, hopefully, uh, at least twice a week. Um, and you can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at, um, at Neil Manthorpe and at Wamzam17. So never miss out. Join our conversation on social media and follow us at 99.94 DM till next time. Hi listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from evergreen podcasts and sound talent media called pit lane parlay. Pit lane parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.